Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of On Air Scare from Stackhouse Radio. This is your host, Diane Stack, and your co-host, Quentin. Quentin, say hello. Hi, everyone. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I am killer. Not that it has to do with our subject tonight, but it does. So well, anyway, you, I, I went to the uh, I went to the New Harbor Freight here in town, and they had an entire aisle full of axes. Awesome, awesome! I'm telling, I tell you, I saw let's see, Dear Mr. Gacy today because I haven't seen any good serial killer films in a long time, and I gotta tell you, you know, I I think my new bucket list. I gotta add one. I want to meet a serial killer, not as a victim. Well, let me let me let me stress that not as a victim. I want to meet one as like an interviewer. So. Um, my good friend Glenn is in the room today. Glenn, how are you? Glad to see you here. Not that I twisted your arm on Facebook to be here, but I'm glad you are. So awesome. But, I apologize. The cuckoo clock just went out. <laughs> are you going it to should have gone off about two minutes ago. Yeah, so should I, but uh, my husband, oh. unfortunately, is on the other side of the room right now. Ah, it's okay. We're mature. People, relax, relax, relax. Oh, I'm off the line. Um, <laughs> so uh, we have some announcements, folks. We want to remind you guys of our contest, uh, basically what it is. You have to submit a story to us, a scary, spooky, creepy story. And uh, if we choose your stories by July 31st, that's your deadline. If you launch the website, you can click the website at our blog talk radio show um, page. If you go to the show page, you'll see a link to uh, DStack Radio at WIX.com. Just click on that link, submit your story through the email link, and we will choose a winner the first week of August. So that first show that we have in August on Unscare, we will be choosing a winner, and the winner will be getting something from Quinn. Yes, it's a wonderful gift. It is the gift that keeps on giving. No, it is. It's a... (laughs) Spider web, it's and the spider web will be selected for you from 
a famous, haunted, or uh, something that pertains to our topic uh, location. So there'll be a little tag attached to your spider web telling you where it comes from and all the information on it. You'll love it. You'll save it for years to come. You'll pass it down to the grandkids and everything. <laughs> Just wash it when you get it. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. Not really. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we will be holding a contest every single month here at On Air Scare. Um, not always stories. I think next month we're going to do creepy photos, right? Your creepy photos. So, um, yeah, if yeah, you really want creepy cool. photos, you can, you can send us, like, photos of, you're thinking possibly uh, ghostly photos or even just mm-hmm. creepy, great, like, I love cemetery pictures or abandoned places or, Awesome, awesome. Unless it's a grave you de- you freshly dug up, please don't send that picture to us. That's evidence, and you never put anything in writing, so we know that goes. Yeah. Absolutely not. But anyways, uh, we got a great show for you tonight. We are featuring real-life monsters. Uh, we've seen monsters in the movies, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, Freddy, and Michael Myers, and Jason Voorhees, and all that. But there are Can some... I play it? Can I play it? Who? I know there's no such a person as Dracula. You know there's no such a person as Dracula. But does Dracula know it? No, he doesn't. (laughs) But tonight we're going to feature real-life monsters. These are guys that have done horrendous, heinous things. Oh, not true, Glenn. Your, Your high school picture was not creepy. Actually, you were pretty cool for back in high school. Remember? I do. Anyway, um, tonight we're talking about killers, famous serial killers throughout history. And these killers were so infamous that they... That no bowl of Captain Crunch was left safe. What? <laughs> what happened? You said serial killers, and you said how bad they were, and I said, yes, no, no bowl of Captain Crunch was left safe. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Look, you, you chased guest 7834 out of the room. I'm Man. sorry. If it's your Captain Crunch either, come back. You did. I swear, I swear to God. Do you know what this is like, really? Like living with a six-year-old. <laughs> okay, so, um, we want to, so we remind you guys about the contest. Also, just to give a shout-out to our rescues, um, in case you haven't known, or in case you don't know, Stackhouse Radio supports local animal rescue and local animal rehabilitation. It's very, very dear to our hearts. Um, we have both picked out a local rescue that we feel dear to. Um, mine is Pleasant Heart Animal Rescue, and it's located here in Paz Christian in uh, Mississippi. Great bunch of people. Mrs. Great. Um, I mean, just wonderful folks out there. So, uh I want you to go ahead, if you go to our webpage, you'll see links on our furry friends, and uh, you'll see links to our rescue. So check them out. Quentin, what's yours? Ours is, uh, mine is the, um, the NOAA Project of Muskegon, Michigan. It is a no-kill uh, shelter. Any animal um, that is savable will be saved. Uh, you know, if you bring them in and they're... And they can be patched back together. They will be, and they will be kept until a good home is found for them. Uh, they're they're wonderful people, and 
it's it's great what they do. You know, it's you know you find places that are no kill, and all that really means is there's no set time limit. It means when they run out of room, they run out of room. These places don't do that, and I I, I really love that <clears throat> about them. And uh, I know a lot of people who work there, and they're wonderful people. So if you can go to our webpage, uh, and you like one of them, you want to donate to us, you know, for these shelters, that would be great. And what people don't realize about local rescues is a lot of local rescues, rescues are, in fact, no-kill when you have these big organizations. And I'm not saying that they're bad places. I'm really not. And I understand that when you have limited funding, you know, unfortunately, euthanasia is one of their options. But you have these big, big organizations. I won't mention the name here because I don't feel like being sued. But you have these big organizations that every single celebrity wants to hop on and go, I'd rather be naked than wear fur. I'll just give you that hint. I mean, you know, seriously, you know, know what you're giving your money to. You know, some of these big rescues get governmental funding. Um, your small local rescues don't. They work out of pocket. So, you know, if you're giving to the big companies just because the local celebrities are doing it, then unfortunately that's not the really, that's not really the best, you know, motive for giving anything just to be trendy. Um, I know a lot of you out there do have a heart for animals and, uh, are maybe just unaware that those big organizations a lot of the time receive government funding. So look to your local animal shelters. If you really want to make a difference, that's where you're going to make it. Your local shelters, your local rescues that are working out of pocket. I mean, these people are working day and night and in between and everything else just to try to get, you know, make a difference there. So check them out. Look them up. Uh, really good causes there. So let's get into our show, though. Wait, and, and remember, know. always report animal abuse or cruelty. Just wanted to point that? that out. Always to report animal abuse or cruelty. And if there's no around to report it to, mind, I won't give you my my resource. My recourse for it is very very bad. So um, don't abuse your animal in front of me. It won't end nicely. That's all I'm saying. So let's get to today's show. Now tonight's show is real life monsters. Okay, these are serial killers. Real guys really lived, really maimed and killed, murdered, nasty, psychopathic madmen. And we're going to celebrate them here tonight. Yay! So, Quentin, who did you pick? I know you picked some really, you know, in past history, so uh, give us one of them. Well, the first one that I chose is uh, someone not everyone knows. He is. He goes by the name of H. H. Holmes, or H. H. Helms. Now, some of you are saying, "Oh, okay, I know who that is." Well, if you don't, uh, if you've ever read the story "Devil in the White City," that is um, basically uh, Hayden Henry Helms, also known as Herman Webster Mudgett, or Henry Howard Holmes, all the same person. Uh, he's known for um, being a serial killer, um, and I believe he is known as uh, the first American one, if I remember correctly. Um, he is known for having his murder hotel. Um, now, everyone knows him as Chicago, but actually he got his start in Muskegon, Michigan, uh, before moving around to Chicago. H.H. H. Holmes was born Herman Mudgett. He moved to Michigan from the East Coast. He attended the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, located just west of Detroit. 
And after graduating from the University of Michigan in 1884, he changed his name to A.J. Chelms, relocated to Muskegon, and began construction on a magnificent hotel called the Helms Hotel. This murder hotel would serve as the testing grounds for his future projects in Chicago. In 1887, he again changed his name to H.H. Holmes, built another large hotel, and began a series of torturous experiments during the Chicago World Expo. When he was finally caught, he was said that he had murdered over 200 people. Uh, He is credited as being America's first serial killer. Um, He is from his... His first hotel was somewhere near where I live. Um, And he literally, I mean, the hotels were his little murder factory, uh, which is gruesome stuff. Um, We do have pieces of his diary. Um, We have here, uh, I'm looking at some pictures of it, actually. Uh, There were pages missing from the book and several photos uh, uh, photos had been blotted out. Uh, incidentally, the book was missing. When they went back to find it in the following year, the scrap of paper appeared to be in the scraps of paper appeared to be in Helm's handwriting, based on earlier samples obtained, and it seemed to be notes from a rumored journal. After confirming that the handwriting was indeed Helm's, uh, they would begin to do tedious search for the journals, um, and uh, they were cautiously dubbed the. Helms Hotel guest books. Um, <clears throat> so he actually kept a book um, of what he did. Like one of his entries is August 5th, 1884, uh, William White Live Dissection. Sedatives in tea to subdue him. Specimen for placement on exam table. Eyes darted out while incision made. No table twitches while organs were removed. Much different than cadavers in Ann Arbor. Um, So, I mean, he was pretty gruesome. If you just listen to what I read, that was pretty gruesome. (laughs) It sounds all sweet and simple as I read it, but believe me, it's uh, a loss. Yeah, he's pretty sick. William White, who he was referring to there, the banker originally from Detroit was Holmes' silent partner in the local apothecary shop. So this wasn't a random stranger, this guy. This was a friend of his. Uh, that was, uh, it, it was an apothecary shop in the lobby of his hotel. Holmes staged an accident and collected on the life insurance policy that he previously had taken out on him. Local authorities believe that White may very well be Holmes' first murder victim as there is no earlier record by Holmes. Another one would be Miss Marie Swanson. She worked as a waitress in the apothecary shop. Helms was smitten with her looks, uh, with her looks, and soon was engaged to marry her. Unfortunately, when she be- when she became suspicious of his advances on other women, she disappeared. According to Helms, she left town to be with an ailing relative. <clears throat> there was a, a local school teacher. Uh, authorities believe this 28-year-old teacher, Sophia Tidwell, was the first of many experience his, to experience his torture cell in the basement of the hotel. She disappeared sometime in the summer of 1885. So, I mean, we could go on and on, 
But anything pre-1887, he was doing in his, his testing ground, which is the hotel out here, which is really, I mean, you have people in cages, and this is the 1880s. I mean, you hear about stuff like that now, and as bad as it is now, you'd never suspect to find that in 1885. So you said true. the hotel is actually near you? Yes. Is this hotel still standing? No. Well, that's stopped. Um, so let me actually, I'm going to do a quick little search. I want to see if um, the Helms Hotel Muskegon... Let's see if there's a photo of it. If there is, I'll gladly pass it along. Okay, um, but I'll I don't think there is. Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that search for you. So, okay. so you can kind of go free um, up and. <clears throat> so he was he was definitely a real psychopath. <clears throat> I would like to read. Oh, there is some photos on this webpage I'm on. They're right here. Um, of the Helms Hotel. It says on the left, the Helms Hotel. In all its splendor, frequently uh, by frequent by locals and travelers alike, it was known as a place of a good slumber and fine food. Um, on the right are the burned-out remains of the hotel after a mysterious fire ripped through the building, taking several guests with it. At the time, it was also thought that Helms died in the fire. It was during the fire investigation that the grim truth about his hotel was actually discovered. Infrared spectrum images show the temperature of the attic to be in the low 40s. Well, um, oh, that's a different story. I'd like, what? This doesn't make sense. Um, this is where it gets into a little bit of a ghost investigation on things. <clears throat> I don't know where. Um, no. It's not far from, uh, it's actually not far from my house. Um, I can see the address. I don't want to say it because it's close to um, actually right near my house. Um, reading through this old historical documents, we suspect the other street was either Clay or Webster. Okay. Uh, the street that it was located on was like a creme de la creme kind of street. Um, and uh, this hotel, clean rooms were 35 cents, private baths were 10 cents. Um, and there was help wanted apply in person. But yeah, this was literally right literally right down the road from my house and I live in the historic well to do area. So this is a top notch hotel. So that's my first one for tonight. Okay. Very cool. Um and I have actually seen a couple films that featured H. H. Holmes, uh woman's documentary and very interesting actually, guys, if you want to check it out. Um I know Netflix has a really good bio on him, so uh really creepy guy. My first one of the evening is, I had a really hard time picking because I have so many favorites. So I picked two of what I think to be is the most interesting. Uh, my first one is Ed Gein. Now, Ed Gein is, you know, maybe not known to a lot of people, but uh, the interesting thing about Ed Gein is Ed Gein is pretty much infamous. And what people don't realize is that when you see horror films like Psycho, uh the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even Buffalo Bill, the character that wore the human skin in the movie Silence of the Lambs, all these three were, I mean, their inspiration was Ed Gein. And the thing about him that made this case interesting is that um, he was only actually convicted of two of the murders uh, that anyone knew about. Now, we're talking back in the day, of course, this is pre-genetic, you know, DNA and all that kind of stuff, and forensic CSI and all that crap. 
But back in the day, we could kill people and actually get away with it. So, uh, not that I, you know, mourn the loss of those days. I don't. Well, I do. But anyways, um, but Endgame, who was born in Wisconsin, um, August 8th, 1906, he died January 26th, 1984. Now, he died, uh, I believe it was cancer. Interesting thing, though, is um, his father, extremely abusive, um, substance abuse, but he, when he was drunk or um, whatever, he would be extremely physically abusive to, um, you know, Ed and his siblings. Um, and his mother, a lot of the time, you know, was very possessive, very religious. So he grew up with both these things. When his father passed away, his mother was left, and his mother basically instilled this, um, this crazy religious idea that, uh, you know, sex is bad and, you know, no woman's good for him and everything else. And I think in those days between the abuse and the religious oppression and everything else, it just made him flip. Basically, he grew up, you know, uh, what I would consider a definitely, he's definitely a sociopath, but uh, his crimes consisted of him taking older women and he, his, I guess he had a deep desire to be a woman himself, but that's what it came down to. He went through the gender identity crisis, and he would envision himself being a woman. And the closest he could get to becoming a woman was to actually take the skins off of his victims, which were all female, taking the skins from his victims, sewing them together in a skin suit, and wearing this. So he would essentially wear – he women that were his mother's age. So he would uh, take these skins, sew them together, cut them in parts, uh, and basically dress up like them. So I guess it's, dre- it's, it's playing dress up to the extreme. Uh, but he had his fascination with this. And he was extremely brutal. It started with grave robbing and taking the skins off of cadavers, and then obviously that wasn't good enough. He wanted it fresh. So he went on to getting actual victims. Now, when the police finally apprehended him and apprehended the home near took everything, there was a list of things that were found in the home of Ed Gein, and just a list of some of the things they found upon searching the house, authorities found four noses, a whole human being's bones and fragments, nine masks made of human skin. Now, these are just masks made out of faces, human faces, bowls from human skulls, female heads with the top sewn off, human skin covering several chair seats. Um, Mary Hogan, one of the victims, her head was in a paper bag. <clears throat> Bernice Warden's head was in a burlap sack, another victim. Signed uh, vulva in a shoebox. Now, that's a female genitalia part. A belt made purely from human female nipples. Skulls on his bedpost, a pair of lips on a drawstring from a window shade and lampshades made from skin of a human face. So this is pretty heinous. And to do something like this and to want, I mean, all these things around your house, you gotta be you got to be sick in the head. Anyways, when he was apprehended, obviously, and I let's see, get the date that he was apprehended. Uh, sorry about that. I thought I had his apprehension date. In uh, July, July 1658, he was found guilty of two of the crimes, but criminally insane. He was never deemed sane enough to actually stand for trial. 
and uh, back in those days declared him criminally insane, guilty of criminally insane. So he pretty much spent the rest of his life in a lot of institutions. Uh, he died in one. So there you have it. I mean, obviously something like that, you know, I, I don't think that any psychologist today will look at that and say, well, you know, he was sane. I don't believe you can be sane and do something that gruesome. So, but Ed Gain, I mean, you know, for, for inspiring genius like Alfred Hitchcock, I mean, psycho, think about it, the obsession he had with his mother. Now, this is a direct, direct result from reading about Ed Gain and being aware of that crime. Also, Buffalo Bill, he wore skins. Uh, he was obsessed with women, becoming a woman himself in the movie Silence of the Lambs. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, you know, I know that it's a remake, guys, but honestly, the original, you can't beat it. It's awesome. But really, it's a sick individual. So that's, that's my first of the night. Ed Game, guys. Uh, creepy act, psycho, killer, and wearer of women's flesh. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Mm. Coincidence? Well. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Did we forget to introduce somebody? Mm-hmm. I think we did. Okay, guys, we have to introduce our the official mascot of On Air Scare, Foamy the Raccoon. He is in the studio with us tonight, hanging out, probably chewing on something. Is that is that a steamer? Oh God! Quinn, I thought you tied him up. I thought you tied him up. No, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> Gwen says, sounds like his interior, uh, relating to Ed Gein, sounds like his interior decorating skill has something to be desired. I don't know. I think in today's date it'd be kind of catchy, so who knows? <laughs> like, quick, I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really... Um, Come on. I have to agree. I have to agree. You, you know, so my second... My second person tonight uh, is someone rather well-known. I was actually going to do uh, do a story, but the person uh, the person is actually not guilty. The story I was going to tell, um, but they were accused of it. But because he wasn't guilty in the end, I chose not to do the story. But the story I originally was thinking about doing was about a family member of mine. <laughs> oh, I remember that story. Yes. Um, so anyway, the uh, the one that I'm going to do, pardon me, <clears throat> is uh, Countess Elizabeth Bethany. And if you're saying, I don't know who that is, well, you've been living under a rock. No. <laughs> um, now, Countess Elizabeth Bathory is... Uh, Partially responsible for the story of Dracula. I'll give you the very dictionary approach on her to begin with. Countess <clears throat> mm. Elizabeth Bathory, or um, her name is also her her, her, her birth name is Elizabeth, um, or like a Romanian version of Elizabeth, or Hungarian, I say. Um, uh, she was born on August 7, 1560. She died August 21, 1614. She was a countess from the renowned Bathory family 
of nobility in the kingdom of Hungary. She has been labeled as the most prolific female serial killer in the history <clears throat> in history and is remembered as the blood countess, though the precise number of victims is debated. After her husband, Ferenek, if I can say this, Nadeshdi, <laughs> after his death, she and four collaborators were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of girls with one witness, attributing to them over 650 victims. So the number for which they were convicted was 80. Due to her rank, Elizabeth herself was neither tried nor convicted. <clears throat> but her arrest on December 1610 was imprisoned. Was she was imprisoned in Catch? Let's see if I can say Catch Castle, now in Slovakia, where she remained immured in a set of rooms until her death four years later. Later writings about the case have led to legendary accounts of the Countess bathing in the blood blood of virgins to retain her youth and subsequently also to to comparison with Vlad the Impaler of Wallachia, to whom the fictional Count Dracula is partly based on, and to whom modern nicknames, who have, she has received the modern nicknames of the Blood Countess and the Countess Dracula. Well, if she was looking for virgin blood, she'd have a hell of a time today, unless they're like five. Well, yeah. And sometimes if their name's Honey Boo Boo, she'd have a real... (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, essentially, there are lots of stories. Now, are they true? I don't know. You know, this is old stuff. Um, Some say that she had a, uh, a statue that would embrace you and kill you. True or not true, probably not. But that's the story. Um, the legends um, persist in, um, in popular imagination, of course. The myth is speculated to persist in part because of Bathory's connection to Transylvania and Vampire Ward. That she was, you know, the, the folklore here is that she was a vampire. But she wasn't. The Countess Bathory was a very beautiful woman. And uh, what ended up happening was she was getting old. And they say, this is much what they assume, I don't quite know, that she struck a maid one day, or a a servant, and uh, when she did, the maid got blood on her, and she smeared the blood off, and I guess apparently felt her skin looked renewed. And uh, so she decided, hmm, if one drop makes my skin look good there, then a whole bunch of it's going to make me look good everywhere. And to be honest, it probably worked. <laughs> um, some say that she just killed them and took the blood to bathe in. Others say that there were torture, you know, um, some, some of it being post-mortem torture. Um, some of which were buried in graves and others in unmarked locations. However, um, two witnesses, court officials Benedict Desko and Jacob Slavisky, 
actually saw the countess herself torture and kill young servant girls. According to the testimony of the defendants, Elizabeth Bathory tortured and killed her victims not only at her place of subjecty, I can't even say it, um, but also on her properties in Starvar. Uh, let me try this one. <clears throat> Nema, yeah. At the time, the place was called Pazoni and Presburg, and in Vienna. And between these locations, in addition to the defendant, several people were named <coughs> for supplying Elizabeth Bathory to the young women. The girls had been procured either by deception or by force. A little-known figure named Anna Dervulia was rumored to have influenced Bathory, but Dervulia was dead long before the trial. The exact number of young women tortured and killed by Elizabeth Bathory is really unknown, uh, though it is often speculated to be as high as 650, as I mentioned earlier, between the years of 1585 and 1610. The estimates differ greatly during the trial and before, the ex- before their execution. Sosinski uh, and Fico reported 36 and 37, respectively, during their periods of service. The other defendants estimated a number of 50 or higher. Many Sarver Castle personal <clears throat> personnel Estimated the number of bodies removed from the castle to be between 100 and 200. One witness who spoke at the trial mentioned a book in which a total of over 650 victims was supposed to have been listed by Bathory herself. This number, because part of the legends surrounding Bathory, this number, because part of the legends surrounding Bathory, reported the locations and diaries unknown, but 32 letters written by Bathory are stored in the Hungarian State Archives in Budapest. Um, anyway, uh, it says that she would be arrested. Um, they would debate over the proceeding. Uh, Elizabeth's son, Paul, and two of her son-in-laws um, would be part of these proceedings. The trial and execution would have caused a public scandal and disgrace a noble and influential family, which at the time ruled Transylvania, and Elizabeth's considerable property would have been seized by the crown. Thurzo, along with Paul and her two son-in-laws, originally planned for Elizabeth to be spirited away to a nunnery, but as the Count said, boy, boy, she would have a hard time finding a virgin there. Uh, but as, <laughs> as accounts of her murder, of her murder of the daughters of lesser nobility spread, it was agreed that Elizabeth Bathory should be kept under strict house arrest, but that further punishment should be avoided. King Matthias requested that Elizabeth be sentenced to death. It was also determined that Matthias would not have to repay his large debt to her, for which she lacks for which he lacks sufficient funds. <clears throat> now they had her. They had her sealed in her castle. Mm-hmm. Right, so she was sealed up and actually, yeah. Fitting. Yes, it is. You know, think about it. You have to look at your, yeah. No, did well, did they like um, deprive her of mirrors or anything like that? I don't think they might have. Mm-hmm. Something, something does sound like that. Yeah, it's pretty cruel. I mean, the, the punishment really befitted the crime. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. 
interesting. And do you think it's something like that happening these days? Never want you to run out of versions really quickly, but uh, well, yeah, <laughs> which is sad, I think. But hey, whatever. It is what it is, right? Well, yeah, you know. It, well, <laughs> now, um, I don't know. Um, I, I know she was immured into her her castle or whatever, but. Usually, immured refers to being um, put in, like, you know, literally stoning over any possible exit and leaving the person to die. Right. Now, she she was in there for four years, so I don't know if she was just left to die or what. Uh, I think I think Glenn had mentioned that they had actually uh, brought her food through a missing brick or a missing hole there, an open hole in the wall. So she was actually supposedly snuck food, given food, um, enough to sustain her. But, you know, I think she died eventually just of probably what came down to depression and everything else. So hmm. just uh, a really, you know. <laughs> Isn't it now? It is. Yeah. But oh. also, there's there's bios on her too on Netflix. I love Netflix. So, what is your next person tonight? Ha 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 ha! I will finish out my second choice with a grandiose one. Now, uh. You've all heard of all, and I've, you've heard of uh, the Boston Strangler and all kinds of good ones, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, but I think one of the creepiest ones out there, and actually, you know, you read his story, and it's fascinating, you know, his behaviors, and just he, he did, everything he, you know, the way he approached things. John Wayne Gacy, also known as the Killer Clown. Now, I did some extra research um, on him. It had been a while since I really delved into my serial killers, and I had to refresh myself. And uh, he was born March 17, 1942, in Chicago. Uh, let's see here. They said that basically they're, they're assuming that there was 33 to 34 victims that he had. Now, all of his victims were men and boys. Uh, Many of them were strangulated. Uh, a lot of them had been sexually assaulted. And of all his victims that he's had, there was actually one survivor. Technically two, but we'll explain the second one in a second here. Um, but he actually had a survivor. Now, the survivor's name was Jeffrey Rignall. And Jeffrey Rignall basically gave a description of what uh, Gacy had done, how he approached him and everything else. And I think it was Jeffrey Rignall's testimony against Gacy that actually um, led to the possibility of there being, uh, okay, I'm looking for the word, looking for the word, uh, an accomplice. Thank you. Brain fart there. An accomplice. Uh, Jeffrey Rignall's testimony or statement to the police had been such as while he was being bound and 
raped by Gacy, he saw a young boy, a young youth with brown hair, um, approaching him to chloroform him again when he regained consciousness. So uh, it lends to the possibility of an accomplice to his crimes. And there were other things as well. But for the most, he was convicted of 34. I think uh, it was actually the life, the death sentence he got for 12 of those crimes. So 12 of those convictions actually got him what he finally killed him was his death sentence. Uh, interesting thing about his life is there again, he comes from a family where he was constantly rejected by his father. Now, the one person that a son seeks um, you know, acceptance from and encouragement from his father. His father always put him down compared to his sisters. I mean, did all kinds of horrible things. He was a sickly child, and so there were issues there growing up. Mother did what she could to you know, protect him, of course. So basically what he had done was he had molded himself into this image of what he thought society wanted. Now, typically when you have some kind of associative personality disorder or antisocial personality disorder, you still have this disorder inside of you, and eventually something's going to trigger it. It's going to come out. Um, Gacy actually got married. He had two children with his wife, um, and he came out to her basically one day saying that he was bisexual. Now, he had been at this point all the time up to this, this point here, been partaking, I mean, on his wife a lot, and he seemed to be obsessed with men and boys. So, you know, it happened to the young boy thing there. He liked young boys. And, um, you know, I, I think when you start going after children, but the thing is, is a lot of these weren't consensual, and that's where the problem lies, is that when you're going after children, number one, that's completely illegal and completely immoral. You don't go after youths, and um, you don't force people. So this was where his crime came into play. As far as his consensual stuff, and eh, you know, hey, what's good for you is good for me, right? But anyways, uh, yeah, when you come down to forcing people and raping and all kinds of stuff, and that's a different, different uh, story there. But um, so he had taken his obsession to a point to where he was luring these youths, these, these young boys. Um, and I'm sorry, but anybody 18 or younger is a boy to me and uh, basically forcing them into his home or alluring them with promises of sex, money, things like that. And he killed these boys. He killed them. Uh, hid their bodies beneath the crawl space in his house. So underneath his home were just piles of dead bodies. If you can imagine that, you know, sleeping in your bed knowing that under your floorboards are dead bodies. So um, it was... Uh, I think his first murder, the first murder he committed was with a co-worker of his or someone he worked for or worked for him. On uh, uh, January 2nd, it was January 2nd, 1972, Timothy Jack McCoy. And uh, there was uh, an issue where he brought the young man to his house. Uh, The young man had, I'm not sure if it was the morning after or that evening, but Gacy was in his bedroom. The young man came into the bedroom with a knife in his hand, a kitchen knife. Gacy took this as an attack from from this man and continued to wrestle the knife out of his hand and stabbed him with the knife. When he went to the kitchen, what he saw was sliced bacon, 
uncooked sliced bacon, two table settings and everything else, and realized that this man wasn't coming in to, to attack him. The man had just been in the process of cooking him something. And uh, when he was um, finally approached at one point by a psychologist about the first murder, what he was, what he said was that um, as he was killing this man, as he was stabbing this man to death, he experienced an orgasm. And he said that it was the greatest thrill to take the life from somebody, that that was the greatest excitement you could possibly achieve. He was definitely, in that respect, I think, narcissistic. Um, he really did think of himself as this grandiose, uh, grandiose, you know, manipulative mastermind. that He could basically manipulate anybody into any situation. Um, you know, definitely antisocial personality, uh, at least. But uh, there was an interesting movie that I had watched, too. It's called Dear Mr. Gacy. And it's actually a true story. It's a true account of a criminal defense attorney. While he was in school studying for his degree, uh, the student's name was Jason Moss. And he ended up becoming a criminal defense attorney. He had interviewed several serial killers, including Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, and such. But he had his strongest connection and his strongest relationship with John Wayne Gacy. And, you know, during the length of this relationship that he had with him, I think, I think sometimes it's true that when you look into the darkness, every once in a while the darkness looks back at you. And I don't think there's a way to shake that. I really don't. And I think, I think this is what happened to this young man. And, uh, you know, John Wayne Gacy, is. some people may or may, may not know, uh, his sentence was carried out. And uh, on March 10th, 1994, he was killed by a lethal injection. Uh, the exact date of death, time of death, was 12.58 a.m., May 10th, 1994. Jason Moss, as far as I'm aware, was not at the lethal injection, or not at the, you know, the, on site for the uh, carrying out of the death sentence. But the interesting part was that Jason Moss actually killed himself on June 6, 2006. Um, and people just wonder if it was in relation to him having these relationships with all these serial killers. I think probably. But, you know, excellent movie, Dear Mr. Gacy. You really should check it out. Um, if you got Redbox, iTunes, definitely worth looking at. William Forsyth, William Forsyth is brilliant, brilliant. He can play any character out there. He's amazing in this film, so you've got to see it. But uh, definitely a sociopath. Um and the thing is, is when John Wayne Gacy stood for, you know, went to trial, he tried to claim, uh, you know, insanity. But uh, the prosecutor's doctor said, you know what, this man is not insane. He knew full well what he was doing when he committed these crimes. So to imagine that you're completely aware that you're doing what you're doing, you know, as you're taking these lives and committing these heinous crimes against these men and these boys. Uh, to me, just blows my mind to be able to be in that mindset to to feel like you're in complete control. When in reality, at that point, you've lost all control over yourself. You know, obviously, these are poor impulses. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, I just think that his story is really fascinating, and I think, um, you know, people who have interviewed him, uh, doctors and psychiatrists, and in, incidentally, when they uh, killed him when they killed him with lethal injection his brain had actually they had actually had his brain removed 
and studied by scientists, neuroscientists, and uh, psychiatrists. And it's interesting because they didn't find any brain abnormalities in the examination of his brain, which I find completely interesting uh, that nothing was found. But uh, John Wayne Gacy, very interesting figure, very psychotic figure. I mean, you think about it, you know, yes, he was aware of what he was doing. Um, I, you know, I, I do I think he was standing up to stand trial? Yes, absolutely. Do I think there was underlying issue there? Oh, hell yes. Absolutely there was. I mean, but think about it, you know, to, you know, find that your ultimate thrill, the ultimate excitement for you is doing the one thing that takes you from being a human being to successfully being a monster. And to do this repeatedly, just to find that high, just to find that thrill. And I think this is what Gacy did. He, it's like any drug addict. You know, you get that taste that first time. You're chasing it constantly. And I think a lot of it was that's what he was doing. He was trying to chase that first high, that first rush of taking a human life. And uh, interesting guy, though. Actually, there's a book out called The The Last Victim. It was written by Jason Moss. Um, I just ordered it. As a matter of fact, I'll be reading it tonight because I'm interested in this now. But anyways, um, check it out. Um, lots of movies by about Gacy and other serial killers out there. I mean, you know, you have the one-time murders, passion kills, and things like that, but, you know, the serial killer. I mean, obviously it's a different creature altogether, and, you know, definitely the things that nightmares are made out of. And to think that who knows? Maybe they, in this, they're they're in their own kind of hell, and it pushes them to do these things. Um, I know that, uh, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer ended up being stabbed to death in prison, and others had already faced uh, others had faced the death penalty. So, but very interesting, very very interesting. Uh, so you know, if you got some time, pick up some movies about some serial killers and uh, see what favorite peers are out there. I'm sure you'll have your one or two that you like the most. I know I do. So, anyways, um, that's basically our show tonight. And uh, like I said, uh, we just picked some of us. And also, you know, other good names out there, Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, Manson. You know, there's a whole bunch out there that you can look up. And, you know, look up the unusual ones. You know, sometimes the ones not really known about or lesser known are the more exciting ones. Quinn, don't you have a... Killer, your family? A what? A killer? A killer. 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 No, I don't have a... Where did you get that idea from? Didn't you have a killer? I mean, believe me. No, I have people accused of it in my family. Oh, oh, but he wasn't guilty. No, he was innocent. Oh, that's not Or so we assume. The the case is still unsolved. It's been 100 Mm. years. This Fourth Fourth of July makes it 100 years. Hmm. Interesting. Yes, I don't know. Unsolved, unsolved mysteries on Stackhouse Radio. <laughs> well, listen, folks. Um, yes, Albert Fish. Glenn had just put up Albert Fish. Um, interesting guy. Uh, now he was the one with the little girls, correct? If I'm not mistaken, he his first victim was like a young child, young girl that he had. Uh, taken back to his place and did all kinds of horrible things to her. But, uh, yes, um, Albert Fish. 
Uh, there's one you really don't hear about every day, but really, really psychotic. Oh, he eats the kids. That's right, too. He ate her. Okay. Um, ooh, children. I love children. They taste like chicken. Um, you got to wonder also, if they do, though. You really got to wonder if they do taste like chicken. I'm kidding, folks. Kidding. Actually, I think they taste, I was told humans taste like pork, but I wouldn't know. Mmm. I love pork, especially when it's slow roasted in a fire pit. Oh, yum. <laughs> Bacon, delicious, but, you know. Oh, kid bacon, that's awful. Awful. Terrible. Folks, we're joking. We don't eat children. We don't like children bacon. Um, don't make the bacon. Oh, <laughs> Yes, uh, Glenn has just typed in that uh, Albert Fish gives vivid details in his interrogation. Uh, Glenn, you might have seen there's, uh, again, Netflix. I love Netflix. But there's a bio on him as well on Netflix. Netflix has great bios on serial killers. I swear to God, they're obsessed with serial killers. But it's awesome. Uh, So you might want to check it out. Knowing you, you probably have. So, um, but, uh, yeah, folks out there, Albert Fish, I know there's a bio on him, of him, on Netflix, so check that out. Uh, so, anyways, uh, that is the crux of our show today, so thanks for joining us. Also, don't forget about our website, www.dstackradio.wix.com forward slash Stackhouse Radio. Also, mm-hmm. listen to the Blog Talk, our Blog Talk station right here. If you're on us, if you listen to us now, you're on our station. We've got all kinds of links there. We've got the link to our website, a link to the um, Facebook site. Visit us on Facebook, Stackhouse Radio on Facebook. Like us there. Uh, the more likes we get, the more popular we get. So, And we want to hear from you. Also, our archive listeners, thank you so much for listening. You guys make it all worthwhile. And, uh, uh, Quentin, anything to say? I uh, just wanted to remind you, don't forget about the um... – oh, good Lord. So we talked don't about forget, it at the beginning of the show. Don't forget about the good Lord. <laughs> uh, don't forget about our, our uh, competition contest thing we're running. Um, yep. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Um, if you want to submit uh, your short story to us, uh, you can send it to uh, dstackradio at gmail.com, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. That's our direct email, dstackradio at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Um, and hopefully we'll get your, your submission. Hopefully we, uh, we'll like it, and you might be our winner. Uh, That's so right. So please, uh, enter, your, enter your stuff. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, thank you to our archive listeners. We know we get a lot of you. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Yeah, and always feel free to join. Oh, also, yes, uh, quick notice that there is going to be a time change as of next week. So next week, um, On Air Scare will be playing at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, It is an earlier time frame, so just be aware of that. We will post it on the sites as well, so it will be up there. We'll give you guys plenty of notice. Um, Also, if you're submitting stories, and please submit the stories. We really want to hear from you guys. Uh, give me your information because I want to make sure that all your work is attributed to you in every way possible. Um, like I said, you know, we, we really want to hear from our listeners. And also, you know, if you ever have any ideas for shows, topics you want to hear, things you're interested in, or just creepy things you want to send us or any interesting, th- interesting things you want to send us, please feel free. Drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know how we can make you happier. 
Uh, we always aim to please here at Backhouse Radio. So until next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, uh, thank you for listening to On Air Scare from Stackhouse Radio, and have a good night, folks. Good night, everyone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.